The Coach's Roundtable is brought to you by Between the Lines. Between the Lines offers online training with current minor league affiliates from the comfort of your own home through online technology. With their coaching, watch your skills and money increase due to no longer needing to drive to get training. For more information, go to betweenthelines.pro. The Coach's Roundtable is also brought to you by Sequencer. Sequencer is a new product that uses simulation modeling to create a data-driven solution for lineup creation. Input your player stats, simulate thousands of different lineups with a couple clicks, and get feedback on which is most effective at scoring runs. Visit Sequencer for a free trial. That's S-E-Q-N-Z-R dot com. And feel free to shoot a note to at Sequencer on Twitter with any questions. They're also partnering with Driveline Baseball to add to their world-class product offering. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Credo, and with me today I've got a coach. Just one coach, that's right. The first time we've only had a singular coach on the platform, but it's going to be good stuff. Coach Valentine's going to give us some good insight and some good knowledge that a lot of coaches are going to be able to use. But enough for me. Let's get to know Coach. Uh, So, Coach Valentine, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, Joel, thanks for having me on. Um, So I started my coaching career at Asbury University, which is an NAIA school um, right outside of Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I was there from 2016 to 2018. Um, During that time, I was also an associate scout with the Cincinnati Reds. Um, And I helped J.R. Reynolds cover the state of Kentucky, um, PA, Ohio, um, areas that we would travel when I was at Asbury coaching. Um, And then I made the jump and I I went to the University of Illinois in Chicago. Um, where we were 2019 Horizon League champs, um, got to go to a CWS um, regional in Louisville, Kentucky. I was a volunteer assistant camp director there. Um, and now I'm currently at Center College um, in Danville, Kentucky, um, just south of Lexington, about, about 30 minutes. Um, and I work with our infielders and our hitters in recruiting. And then during the summer, I coach with USA Baseball. Um, so, yeah. Awesome, and we're glad to have you on as well, Coach. Let's get into some of the baseball questions, and I'll start with this question first. What is something unique you do as a coach or program? Yeah, so I'll start with myself first. Um, You know, what what I try to proud myself in that I do a lot is I try to build relationships. Um, I I think that's the biggest thing, um, networking um, outside of of coaching, too. I think it's really big, Uh, but especially with our guys. And uh, I mean, I was on the job for six months at, at Center College before our season got cut short. And I, I arrived in late August, um, was on campus for a couple of days and literally hit the ground running for practice. Um, so the biggest thing for me was, was relationships that I had to build with these players um, and also with the coaching staff to get trust and to get buy-in to what I wanted to do. Um, I don't really have anything u- unique. Um, it, it's pretty standard on what I on what I do. Um I mean, I, I trust my core values and what I do as a coach um, on and off the field. Um, so I, I, the relationships is a, is a huge part for me. Awesome. Good stuff, Coach. And for those of you that don't know, Coach Valentine told me that he's going to be getting married this weekend. So congratulations to you and good luck uh, with you and your missus. Um, so one of the next questions I got for you is this. What are things you look for when scouting opponents, whether it be stats or tendencies or et cetera? Yeah, so I handle most of all of our scouting reports. Um, I, I handle it when I was at Asbury, same thing when I was at UIC, and I do the same thing out in center. Um, so the biggest thing for me, when we get reports from other schools and I'm putting it together, it's 
it's really about you can only believe about 50 percent because it's going to depend what type of arms are thrown on the weekends are the guys 88 to 90 you know our guys are 87 to you know 88 so the velo is going to drop a little bit um so i mean definitely you know, when it comes to the pitching side of things, we, we want to know velocity right away. Um, is he a three-pitch guy? Is he a four-pitch guy? Um, you know, what's his what's his time to the plate? Um, and then for us, really, it's hits and based on balls. Um, when we're looking at those type of stats, um, and we'll always put on our scouting report, we'll always put the 2019 stats above and then put the 2020 stats below, um, just because if we're facing them in week two of the season where at least we have some type of data on them that we're able to go up and we're able to look, Hey man, this is what he did last year. Um, and it kind of gives us a, a good idea. Um, on the catching standpoint, pass balls, um, stolen base attempts. Um, it, it gives myself and our head coach a, a good idea. Hey, can we, can we run on this guy or can we not? Um, and then on the offensive side of things, when, you know, when we're relaying the message to our pitching coach and to our defense, um, you know, extra, extra base hits are huge. Um, you know, it tells us a lot of, a lot about a player. Um, you know, stolen bases is huge too. We, we go off of a green, yellow, red system. Um, so our guys know when, you know, they get the scouting report the day of the game and they see green, green, you know, coupled to a next, next to a couple guys, then they know that those guys are going to be some plus runners are going to, and they're going to take advantage. Um, that's also on our catcher's cards on our, our, infielders have all that information um so for us we as much as you know I, I like putting together scouting points and enjoy doing that we also have to let our guys play at the same time uh, you know we can't micromanage the entire game um that's why we're in the dugout and no longer playing awesome good stuff coach and so my next question is this what are some ways that you guys try to improve your players in the offseason so we have two full-time strength and conditioning coaches, um, and they do a fantastic job. Um, you know, the time that I was able to spend with them in the short couple months that I was there, um, they are devoted to helping our student athletes maximize their best ability skills off the field in the weight room with, with strength, um, conditioning, um, you know, meal prep. Um, you know, if we got to, if we got a guy that's coming in and we're like, hey, man, we need to put on 10 pounds and, you know, our athletic training staff does a good job and our strength and conditioning coaches do a great job, you know, increasing meals, telling them what they need to track. Um, and then, you know, if we get a guy that comes in that he's a little overweight, we just reverse it and say, hey, man, listen, this is what you have to do. This is what you have to eat. Um, our guys get a throwing program. Um, now obviously, with how this year kind of ended, it was, uh, it's going to be a little different. Um but we have a lot of our guys also playing summer baseball too, or at least that are going to try. Um, so their throwing program might be a little bit modified just because they're going to, you know, get in about 30 games where some guys that aren't playing their throwing program um, is going to be a little bit more high tense. Um, so that when we get back to campus in August, um, our guys know exactly what lifts they're going to get into. Um, they know exactly what the throwing program uh, looks like. So, you know, we hit the ground running in August. We start that first week of September for about, three weeks or so with individual work. Um, and then we're in, we're right into live inner squad scrimmages on the weekend. So. So moving into the next question, it's this, and it's kind of like the hot topic today in sports where it really wasn't a big thing years ago, even when I was in high school, just a handful of years ago, but it's still 
it's really gotten some momentum in the last few years, and it's this, the mental side of the game. And so what are the ways you guys, or you in particular, work on the mental side of the game with your players? Yeah, so with, with Center being such a prestige college, uh, we know that our, our guys are under a lot of pressure in the classroom um, with a ton of work. Um, and now we're, got, now we're adding back on the strength and conditioning um, when we're out of season four times a week, plus we're adding in practice, you know, five times a week. Um, so you know, it's a lot to it's a lot to manage and it's a lot to handle. Um, so on the, on the mental aspect of things, you know, we try to tell guys to take 10 or 15 minutes each and every single day to themselves and just reflect on, you know, how was my day today? Or, you know, if they wake up in the morning and, you know, like, just close their eyes for like 10, 15 minutes and just take a deep breath because they know they got a jam-packed day. Um, so, you know, the the mental piece, you know, the breathing part is really big for us. Uh, and we talk about that when we're in practice as well, especially when our guys are, are walking to the plate. And, you know, there's a there's a stat or, um, you know, somebody mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I was on a call with that said their heart rate raises 15 seconds per beat. When, they're, when the hitter is walking to the box. So our objective and what we're trying to figure out is, is how can we keep that heart rate not from escalating and jumping up? Um, so we do a lot of breathing stuff with our guys. Um, and we also just do a lot of mental prep work. Um, you know, we, we, there's some days like we'll show up to practice and, you know, for instance, I, I work with the infielders and there will be a time where I don't even hit them a funga. And I just tell them to start with the ball in their glove and, we're going to move around like we're feeling the ground ball and we're going to make throws. And, and that's kind of like their mental work to get ready um, to go for practice. Awesome. And so I'll ask you this question next. And I know that it's kind of a two-way question, but even if you could just answer one side or even if you have perspective on both sides, that'd be awesome. And it's this, how do you as a coach or as a program as a whole utilize, meaning the offensive side or control the defensive and pitching side, the running game. Uh, yeah. Um, from the, I'll go off of the running side first, just because I'm, I'm more of an offensive guy than I am defense. Um, you know, we're going to try to take advantage of whatever we can get. Um, you know, if that's off of a slow guy going to a pl- to the plate, if it's off of a lefty that, you know, we get our, when we go back to the scouting report, he's like, hey, listen, the guy doesn't pick, so you can go first when he li- when he lifts up. Um, so we try to take advantage and be aggressive on the base path. Um, not so much, and I tell our guys, we, we don't want to be out of control, um, but we, we need to play like we're about to win and we're about to score every time we're on base. Um, when I was at Asbury, uh, you know, we had a below average uh, base running team, and within the past two or three years that I was there, you know, we were ranked top 10 in the country in stolen bases. Uh, we were ranked second nationally in attempts. Um, and a lot of my stuff comes off of, comes from a mentor of mine, Mike Roberts, um, who does the base ceiling stuff. He coaches the two Cataliers during the summer in the Cape Cod League. Um, so I, I, I take a lot of his stuff, and I try to implement it into every program that I've been into. Um, and there's been success, um, which is awesome. Um, on the flip side of it, um, I, I'm an infield coach, so – I rely on our middle infielders a ton um, to control the running game. Um, and that's with daylight picks. That's with, hey, let's go through, you know, we'll go through a system. Um, you know, hey, let's go one look here. Hey, let's go two. 
or three or whatever the case may be, or it might be just a step off. Um, and one, it, it takes a lot of pressure off of our pitcher um, to allow our middle infielders to control the game. Um, but then when you go to the corner guys, you know, guys at third base, we're, we're not really, we're not too really worried about. Um, and then our first baseman, you know, we're, we're trusting on his judgment uh, if we need to pick or not. And, and a lot of times, you know, our pitching coach, because we our dugout is on the first base side when we're at home, is he has an idea, too, of when we can pick over there, too. Um, but we, we have a, hu- a tough time seeing him when it's in the middle of the diamond. And a lot of times it comes from our middle infielders. And there will be times, too, where, you know, they'll just kind of give us a little wipe and we know it's on. And so does everybody else or whatever the sign is for the day. I really like that answer, Coach. And so I guess we'll end it right here with this one in this short little episode we have. But I really enjoyed getting to know you, and uh, hopefully we stay in contact moving forward. And it's this, and it's constantly a debate that we, me and one of my best friends have. I, I'm, a high, I'm a high school coach. Uh, I, I played summer ball growing up, but I never really had that summer coach that I really thought did a good job. No offense to them, but, like, my high school coach was the guy who I relied on. That was the program that I, that I, uh, that I felt like made me the better ball player. And so my buddy, on the other hand, ironically got cut his junior and senior year of high school from the high school program, continued to play ball in the summer, and ended up getting into college and playing professional baseball at the minor league level. And he now owns his own summer league uh, program or youth program, whatever you want to refer to it as. And so we always have this argument that is what does better for the athletes, the summer ball and the youth uh, game, or is it more of high school ball? Like Which one helps develop the players more, in your opinion? So I, I, I'm, I'm biased on this just because um, I, I did coach during the summer some high school guys. Um, you know, I've, I've never been at the high school level coaching. Um, I have a lot of, you know, friends and colleagues that are at the high school level. Um, so I, I, I'm split on this and, I, and I'm 50-50. And it's funny that, you know, you sent us these questions yesterday. I was looking at it and I was laughing because I literally just talked to a high school team a couple weeks ago about this same exact topic. And for us... Anytime that we go to a showcase event or, you know, we're at another college, we see these players always wearing their summer gear. And but like for us in the state of Kentucky, Kentucky Baseball Club, KBC is huge here. So when we go to events, we see maybe 15 to 20 KBC hats. So we know that they're all coming from one summer organization where we know in the back of our mind, especially myself, you know, as a, as a recruiting coordinator, um, I always want to talk to the high school coach first because one, he's always going to give me the honest, he's always going to give me an honest opinion. Um, two, he's not getting paid to make friends. And on the flip side of things, you know, your, your job is to put the best guys on the field to win it, to win a championship. Um, where the, where the high school is providing financial aid for that head coach, uh, for them and their family. Or on the flip side of it, for summer ball, when we talk to summer coaches, and, and that's and that's recruiting is about 90% during the summer. Like We're only able to get out to about 10% of high school stuff. So when we talk to the summer ball coach, summer ball coaches are getting mixed every single year. Like when a kid goes from 15 to 16, he's got a new head coach. When he goes from 16 to 17, he's got a new head coach. But in the back of our mind, too, we know that these guys are paying these summer coaches. Most programs, their summer coaches are paid. So we know that, you know, that summer coach 
is not going to say anything bad about this player because he's get, he's getting paid from that player, which which from our standpoint we understand. Um, but if I had to make a decision to call a high school coach or to call a summer coach on a player, I'm I'm going to call the high school coach. Awesome. That's good stuff, Coach. And thanks for joining us. I'm sorry that we had a short episode, but um, I know you got some great things going on this weekend, and I wish the best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and stay in touch at any time, Coach. Thanks for being on. Joel, thanks. I appreciate it, and go Colonels. That wraps it up for the Coaches Roundtable Podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you would be interested in being part of an episode yourself, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Coach Crato, K-R-A-T-O. Thank you.